Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode of the Nick Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, putting in some new windows or a new door. It's really exciting, but sometimes you don't even know where to begin. Let me help you out. First of all, got to go with Pella. You can go a couple of different directions. Number one, you can schedule a free in-home consultation. You're going to be able to get a Phil Jackson-esque game plan from a Pella expert when they go through and talk to you about your home, your wants, your needs, all that. So that's certainly one route. Or number two, you can check out the showroom. The showroom is fantastic. Sometimes it helps you to actually see the window, see the door, feel it, open it, close it to get a better sense of exactly what you're putting into your home. Showroom's a great place to start as well. Any direction you go, just know you got to go with Pella. Give them a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. All right, it is a Michael Jordan recap pod, baby. Last Dance, MJ documentary, part seven and eight, covered a ton of stuff from Jordan retiring in 93 to his father's death to uh, going to play in baseball and coming back and playing basketball and losing to the Magic in the, in the playoffs and then getting ready for the 96 season and the 96 Bulls winning 72 games. And just tons of great stuff in these two episodes. And uh, yours truly, Nicholas Allenbaugh and Bo Rude, uh, we recapped it all. So without further ado, man, enough yip-yapping and jaw-jacking. Let's get to it. Here is uh, Nick Bob, Bo Rude, yours truly, Bo Robert Rude. Recapping the Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary, Part 7 and 8. Enjoy. All right, here we are, Nicholas Allen, Bob, Bo Rude, and uh, we just watched episode 7 and 8. And if there was a separate documentary of, of Jordan talking shit to Scott Burrell, I would watch it. I'm talking just 60 minutes of Jordan ridiculing Scott Burrell. I would watch that. Jordan talking crap to Jerry Krause, Burrell, anybody at practice. That's the best part of this documentary. It is so good. I don't even know where to... I mean, okay, before we get into the sequential order of things, of just because that's... At the end of the day, we kind of that's how we got to do. You, you're doing it right now. The male species peaked during this episode. You, everyone realizes that, right? After the Hornets... Beat and, and B.J. Armstrong beat the Chicago Bulls, losing game two. He is sitting, the, the scene of Jordan sitting in the locker room during the playoffs, smoking a cigar, kind of just lightly punch, like, or lightly swinging a baseball bat and discussing kind of the art of talking shit. He said, it take a good man to talk shit when the score is 0-0. Zero, zero. He goes, you know, you can even talk shit. It's one thing to talk shit when you're losing. He's like, anybody can talk shit when they're winning. Like, uh, can we just talk about the male, the male species? There's never been a more alpha male species moment. I've, I, it, everybody peaked. It's, it's over. It's all downhill from there. It just made me want to do that. Like, that's what I told you. I think during the show, I turned and said, <laughs> that's all I want to do in my life. I want to, 
be have a stogie in my mouth, be swinging a bat. I'd have a game tonight to play a basketball game, and it would be talking about about you know competing. That's all we want. That's all I'd want to do in my life. I think. I just felt like that image was just. Anytime I think in life I got I need to man up about anything, I think I need to watch that thirty-five second clip of him smoking a cigar, swinging a baseball bat, and talking about that's when like, you talk shit and when it's acceptable as a man. But it's a it's being in that locker room. You forget what it, how much oh. fun it is to be in a locker room where you're just sitting around, just just shooting you, it. You're just great, shooting it with the boys. And, and isn't it good? Because we we did this in high school, like. Some of that like pre-practice shit talking. Yeah. You know, like, like just, you know, hey, Scott, bro, you better have Judd. You better guard Judd today. That's you can't, it. Like, it's, just, I, it's just great. That's how we, inter- that's how you interact. You just, you just rib at each other oh, all day. I just, miss it. I know. I do. I miss that. I know. Okay. Well, you, as you and I said, it's funny. You and I said before we, we press play on this, on episode seven, we kind of looked at each other and said, well, there's still a lot to cover. And they cut co- and they covered ground this, this this episode. This episode covered a ton, a ton. Because we knew it. We go, hey, we're at 1993, and right. we've got there's only four episodes left, and we're just thinking about the years. We're going, oh my, yeah, because it's kind of like the dual timeline thing. Like we're at 1993, and we got to get to 98, and we only have a handful of episodes here. Like yeah. things got to move. So let's get into it, my friend, after we, you know, if I had a, see, anybody could talk shit at the, at the beginning Nick, of a you podcast. you can talk shit about this podcast, but let me just say something. You, you, everybody could talk a shit when they ain't start a podcast. You start a podcast talking shit, that's where it starts. Oh, that's man, where it starts. You, you got a question for me, you better not be talking that shit. <laughs> okay, so as we talked last week, as we were building towards one of the Biggest questions that has plagued mankind forever. Why? It was even on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Why would Jordan retire in 93? It it was giving us the the seeds of why, and I felt like this episode solidified that reason. Well, the doesn't reasons. It, doesn't it feel so clear after watching this documentary? Why? Yes. yes. Where it didn't, like the question was asked in 93, and I didn't know. Yes. We we speculate. They're talking about gambling. Gambling was that related? But like, or what? if you watch was, this documentary, it's clear. Totally clear. Totally clear. You know, because there were so many theories. Gambling was it? Was there some? What was David? Did David Stern suspend? Was it a eighteen month suspension? Like there was always a bunch of stuff that you you wondered, and I just think it was much like a lot of things in life. Timing and the and and multiple things coming to a head kind of lead to different things and just it it, there was the the little anecdote that he talked to somebody I can't remember who it was in the 92 Barcelona Olympics where he said I'm gonna shock the world I'm gonna retire and go play baseball but Bird and Magic never won three in a row so I'm gonna go win three in a row and then retire so it was like all this stuff was on his mind so it was just he was he talked about how he was just exhausted from the from the the fame and the and the media yeah. and the scrutiny and the pressure and all that stuff but i think that that's number 1 by a mile yes. and the baseball that plan retirement in baseball was the excuse to get away from that stuff but i think it also yes i agree i th- i think there was just so 
I agree with you. The ultimate thing was he was exhausted. He talked about how he, he was had exhausted. No I mean, for, for that man, for the man we were just talking about, that's where, you know, with the cigar in his mouth, all yeah. that stuff, for that man to say, I have no motivation, I'm spent, I got nothing. Like, that goes to show, he wouldn't just say that, you know? No. And so he was spent, he was exhausted, he had kind of, at that point it felt like he had overtaken like in some ways he had kind of totally hurdled bird and magic, you know, in 93 had won three oh, in a row. No one had won three in a row. And then you have the, the, the death of his father that I think added a layer to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that that added to it. I think that was kind of like nudged him in that direction a little bit. Yeah. There was even still a debate that put him over the, yes. Over Cause the he talked about, it, he goes, what, well, you know, they asked him about one of the final conversations he had with his dad, and it was about playing baseball. Yeah, should I or should I not? Should, and and what was interesting, what was so interesting, was how supportive James Jordan was of Michael going and playing baseball. And it sounds like that was like that was kind of James James Jordan's dream was for Michael to play baseball. And I think at an early age, Michael said as much that like his first dream was to be a professional baseball player. That's odd. That's I, that's so weird when you uh, you can be the greatest athlete to ever live in one sport, but it, it's you and your dad's maybe dream. Right. It didn't start out that way, you know. Yeah. Did you? It's kind of amazing. Before we get into that reason and, and all that stuff, like the, I, th- I felt like Jordan opened up about his father's death. I don't think he went too. I mean, it was cool to hear him. I've never I feel like I've never really heard him talk about him like that, but like. Uh, you know, they clear like it was pretty. It was it's pretty clear that those two guys had a special, special, special connection. I ne- I didn't know much about James Jordan. He seems like a, a really great guy yes. and a great dad, and that's that was cool to kind of see that how most of the time when you hear about these fathers in athletes' lives, it usually ends up not being as positive. And James Jordan's seems to be like. Just a great dad all around. Yeah, you're right. Like you think about the meddling, the the helicopter parent father for the you know you you conjure up like Lavar Ball mm-hmm. and these bad images of of you know the overbearing dad. I think James Jordan was around all the time for all the right reasons. Yeah. You know, like he didn't want any. Uh, he didn't want the limelight. He didn't want like credit or like yeah. he just loved his son and wanted to like be on this journey with his son. That was it. Like nothing more, nothing less. Like he wasn't, he wasn't trying to get his 15 minutes of anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he didn't, he didn't uh, cause more problems in Mike's life than he saw. He seemed to solve more problems. Absolutely. And my, and and, you know, they clearly had a, a great relationship where even Jordan kind of referred to him as a friend. And that's one of the cool things about, I know you can probably relate to this. Like, the evolution as growing up and really looking up to your dad and they're always your dad, you know, but what's fun is as you age, they do kind of become more of your friend. You know what I mean? They're always your dad. You're like, even at this point at age, I turned 36 this week at age 36. (laughs) If my dad came in and told me to, you know, cut the shit, stop doing that stuff. I would, you know, I mean like, I'm going to like, you listen, I'm going to listen to him, you know, but it, the evolution of a father son, like where it gets to that point where it's a you're a little bit more friends, which is cool, you know. Oh yeah. So uh, the 
the decision then to play baseball. You know, there was so he goes he goes and he's playing for the Birmingham parents. And you know, I you and I were talking. I I never really felt like I critically thought about it in a while, but like as I watched it happen, I found myself like you kept saying it too, like I thought I, I think it, I admire it. I think I more admire that Jordan was willing to go do this because like there's something admirable about the courage it takes to follow a dream. Yeah. And so many people in this world lack the courage to do that. How many people right now have something in the back of their mind that they want to do, but they're afraid to do it because of how it will look. Yeah. You know what? I, I always, uh, I, I always liked that Tebow did something similar like that. He yeah. went and played. He had a cush job he announcing. Been a or he could have been a – he could have been – if he would have wanted to be a backup quarterback, he could yeah. have been – you know, he could have – or changed positions. Yeah, yeah. And, and he just – like he wanted to to take a chance at bait, and he went and played mine. And I think he's – is he still playing? I think he is. And I, I really admire that because it has nothing to do with money or fame. It has everything to do with the game. Right. And he could be making so much more money. Like I know he has broadcasting opportunities with their I mean, like he's Tim, T I mean, Tim yeah, Tebow's lucrative, star. lucrative. Yes. Like he could go do those college football shows and make tons of money. Yeah, a, a couple million, million, bucks. million yeah. bucks a year, easy. A couple million bucks. Instead, he's playing for the minimum, probably in these minor leagues, just right. like playing baseball. And right. I just I I admire I admire people that that make a choice that's not about the money it's about the their own like life's journey like that stuff it's sweet to me when you just you take that chance yeah so more often than not and you look back on things and it more often than not you regret you regret not doing it not doing it does that make sense like yeah. you're more like you're so much better off like doing it and everybody knows what I'm saying. Like doing it, whatever that it is in your head right now, you're so much better off just doing it. And you know what? In the end, the Michael Jordan story is better with it. Right. It is. In the at the moment, you're just you 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 selfishly say he's taking away a gift from us. And Phil even told him that. Right. Like right. you know, there's this is a gift you're taking away from people. And well, because me and you talk. Like I don't know where you were. I vividly remember where I was when I got the news that Jordan was retiring in what? 93. Where were you? I, don't know. I was in, I was like, I would have got it in the morning before school. Oh. Walking down, you've been in my, in our, my parents' house kitchen and I like walked up to the counter and I saw it on TV and I think my mom explained it to me <laughs> and I, but I was sobbing. Uh, let me make a bet here. I'm going to make a bet. Did you have a sick day from school? <laughs> I, I guarantee because my mom I, was always down. If I said I didn't want to school, my mom was like, "Okay." But that that in your life would have been worthy of a sick I, day. I think I school. asked her if I could stay home from school, and she didn't let me. But I wanted. I was oh. so devastated that he retired. He, that he, that I wanted to not go to school. That guy's effect. That think about that. Think about that effect on people that he had it's just it's unbelievable well where he was by that point think, think about the spectacle a... of the retirement press conference i mean it was a spectacle and it was for... a all from room like a rumor got out and people by the next morning had flown in from all over the country right and it's just so much of like you know there's this this feeling that 
when you're a per- when you're someone like Michael Jordan, you got it made and you got it all figured out, right? But what you watch this and you realize like, yeah, he's an ultimate alpha, you know, guy, but like he's still trying to figure it out. Like, you, you know oh. what I mean? He was exhausted and needed a break and he wanted to follow his dream, you know, and, and then he was trying to cope with his dad's death. Like I feel like the again every time they've humanized him, I've just loved it. Yeah, and you know we'll get we'll get to the other part later, yeah. but like I, I think there's some things that, like I said, we'll get into that have come across that that it's are yeah like, are surprising to me. Yes, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but um, on on that line of thinking, I, guess. I, I think like I mean, you know, I forgot about because now it's funny you see it and then you remember. I remember seeing that SI cover, Baggett Michael. I remember seeing that him and I didn't know he never spoke to Sports Illustrated again after that. I mean, and because and then so it was Beggett Michael, and then on the 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 you know the cover of the of the magazine, it was you know MJ embarrass is embarrassing baseball. That's and that's that's really weak from as a sports person to, to write yeah. that like taking a shot. Michael said they didn't ask him for an interview; they were taking shots. At a guy that's given the sports so much, it's like, why? Why, why come at it like that? Like, right. you can say, is this the right move? Is this? But like to say he's ruining baseball and like making him trying to embarrass him like that. How like, much do you think? I don't know how to how to ask this question. How much do you think like the decision to play baseball and then the whole process of playing baseball was one big coping mechanism with his dad? Um. I mean, I think it was part of it. I'm not saying it's all of it. But I, like, I, I, said, I literally think him and his dad, like he said, they were thinking about doing it. So, but it was almost like he could, he could, I mean, even the whole element of wearing 45, like there's some psychological stuff oh, of sure. like, he wanted to like, he wanted to get away, get from, away from that. But th- I think that's, that stemmed from people. Yeah. Not his fame, dad's death. The fame, yeah. the media, the fans were controlling him right by making his life impossible to live and that to me is a guy that said i'm gonna make the choice to do what i want to do and nobody's gonna tell me how to like that that's wrong because even though it's like yeah he's michael jordan everything's influencing his life to to be led a certain way and all he can his only release was on the basketball court and that was it. That was it. He was hidden in hotel rooms and he right. couldn't go anywhere. So this was a chance for him to say, I'm getting away from some of this fame and I'm going to go play baseball and it's my choice and it's his way of probably coping. But like, I think that's, it's, it's all totally, a part of it. It's I all think, part of it. And I think he, you know, he talked about how he really enjoyed being one of the guys just kind of like, you know, you could kind of, now granted, they, they it was interesting to hear Reinsdorf talk about how they had to send him to double A because they were the only that what they they were the only minor league level that could handle the media, yeah. like of of what the coverage was like for him. It's it's actually incredible when the, the more you go back and look at his baseball career, like they started him higher than he should have been. He worked his butt off. He had you know he, he was hitting two hundred, and like you you just think he didn't play since high school. He went twelve years, thirteen years. And didn't play the sport, and it's a sport that is so, like, diabolically detailed. I don't know how you can be that good. I'm amazed. You He's, know, there's the isn't there the one? There's a thirty for thirty of Jordan rides the bus. That's yeah. about that I I remember, but it's still always interesting to like watch it and see it again and listen to these people like 
it's easy to think that that was all just a big sideshow joke and all this stuff. Like, you got the sense from his coaches that, like, this guy was, like, improving rapidly. And if he would have stuck with it and gotten enough at-bats, you heard people saying he would have made it to the bigs. Because, you know what? He is Michael Jordan. Like, he is the greatest athlete to probably you know, to we've ever seen. And if somebody says that's a competent, like, like, you know, Frank Kona is a, he's a world series winning manager. And if he says this guy would have made it to the pros, just believe him. Cause he's earned the right to say that. And Michael Jordan, we should not doubt Michael Jordan's ability at anything. Right. Because you think about people always talk about how mental the sport of baseball is, you know, whether it's, you know, it's, it's the sport of failure, you know, yeah. right. I mean, you go one for three and you're like a hall of famer, you know, yeah. and he like, so he would be able to handle that. But I guess just seeing the the highlights again and, and hearing about it again, I think it, it, I was just, it's amazing how good he really was at baseball f- f- under the circumstances. Under and he's the six circumstances. foot six with long arms right. and a huge hand. Like it's, it's kind of. It's just amazing. Hey, guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. And I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln, they're following CDC guidelines uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home. And all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days if uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, if they traveled anywhere outside of the Omaha-Lincoln area. Bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home, and you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella, so you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And so it's amazing how you wonder, you know, with just like, you know, I don't the timing of things and whether or not you know that everything happens for a reason. Then the timing of the baseball strike. You know, you know, all of a sudden the baseball strike hits, and here's a here's a guy that that obviously has to have some sort of competition in his life. Can't like, ha- can't go a week probably. Can't do it. And then you get how you know the the decision to return to basketball and. It starts with him. And I bet B.J. Armstrong knew what he was doing. And everybody knew, like, Jordan can't just come back to, you know, B.J. told the story of they go eat breakfast and then go, why don't you come to, why don't you just come to practice and come say hi to everybody? Well, you can't, that's like, you ever get gotten a leash out for your dog and just dangled it? Like, they're going to lose their mind or hang a piece of yeah. meat out to some tight, like, and think that they're not going to just attack that. Yeah, he he can't do it. No. he He cannot do it. And so... 
it doesn't take much for him to all of a sudden get that taste back and want to return to basketball. But it's amazing that, you know, he returns to he returns in, in March or whatever it was. The team was struggling after they had a good year the, the previous year. The team was, what, 34 and 31, I think, when he rejoined the team. Yep. And you, you get the amazing 55-point performance in the Garden. What was that, his sixth game back or something? His fifth or sixth game back. And, and that goes kind of on par with the baseball stuff. Some of the things that Michael Jordan can do that nobody else can do is is, is that game, that 55-point yeah. game. Like, you don't play basketball now for the two NBA. years. You're, and this is the NBA. And, and you haven't played for two years. You're not in shape. You shoot around for a week. You play for a week and a half. And then you put up 55 in Madison Square Garden. I, I'm just – I don't understand how anybody can do that. No. Like, that's one of the performances that – it's just you can't even understand how unhuman that is. Yes, how how – I think you I think this you get a window even to like the fact that he was pretty good at minor league baseball after not playing for 14 years and then for him to take a year and a half two years off from basketball and then just hit the ground running and score I mean it's just it's not human. It isn't. It it's and unbelievable. It, I mean now, that's because sorry. it's not human. It obviously caught up to him in the playoffs that year. And you have what I think it was might have been Bill Wennington that said it. Maybe the best thing that ever happened to Jordan and to the Bulls for their second iteration of the three-peat was what happened in that Orlando series. Losing to Orlando and Michael playing subpar and making some ugly end-of-game turnovers. and stripped by Nick Anderson. Because you and yeah. I, as we were watching that again, you and I were both saying to each other, like, that's a that's a moment that you remember. Like, you had never seen Jordan look vulnerable like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I do remember having, like, a, a that moment of, like, you, you actually doubted if Michael Jordan yeah. was going to ever be the same again. Right. And so that was a big talk at the time. Because, like I say, showed that he was susceptible. You could get to Michael Jordan, maybe. Right. Because yeah. that's what one you know. There was one guy that made the analogy of like it was like Ali late in his career, and someone actually like lands a punch, and you're sitting there going like, "Well, you can actually like you can hit him. You can hit this guy." Like that's what that that kind of felt like, and ultimately it was just too tall a task for this guy to play baseball for a year and a half, jump on the team in the middle of the year and think they were just going to like cruise to a championship. Yeah. That that's what I would expect of him the whole time is just like bad turnovers, legs get dead yeah. halfway through, you know, like it, right. you're just not in shape to do it. So he, he did a lot of impressive things to get them to the, like the conference they finals. Were a mess. I mean, they were, yeah. they were not very good and they get to the, they get that deep in the playoffs. But I think that law, like, you know, we talk about like Detroit fueled, the first three-peat, like losing to the... I think in some ways that that loss to Orlando kind of planted the, the seeds to to get him rolling again yeah. for the next, next three-peat. And then you get what was some just great footage, some great anecdotes, some great stories of what that offseason looked like. It starts with the great anecdote from his trainer 
right after they lost to Orlando and him basically saying like, hey, just give me a call whenever you want to get started. And Jordan's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. And that was that was the rocket fuel Jordan needed for the, for the next run. He goes, he, kind of oddly, he's shooting Space Jam. Yes. That's a commitment. And he probably committed to it well before. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's probably right. two years in the making. So that had been planned. He hadn't been play, uh, playing basketball. So there came a conflict. He needed to get in good shape right. and get his game right. So what do they do? If you're Michael Jordan, they build you a basketball court, like a dome. They like built a him a dome. W- and and not only a basketball court, a full workout weight room with every machine, everything you would need. And, and so this this is like kind of the perfect storm for Michael Jordan to to get back to where he needs to. So he's he's in L.A., which is a hangout for NBA guys. Yeah, it's where they that, go into offseason. That's where yeah. most NBA guys probably end up going that don't live in their hometown. They go to L.A. So people start coming playing pickup. He's shooting Space Jam from 7 in the morning until 6 or 7 at night, and then it's weights and pickup games till 9 or 10 at night. Yes. Every single night. Like, Do you know how hard that would be? Uh, it's crazy, but Mike, you know, Mike's the one guy that just like he wants to be doing something all day, right? And and Andy was fueled of what just happened in, yeah. with losing to Orlando, and he had to like he not only did like was he fueled like he needed that he needed he talked about having to rebuild he had he had made it you know he had his had a baseball body for uh, two years he had to rebuild his body back into being a basketball body he had to find his timing back and at this point he had kind of lost like he still. Like this was now we're getting to that point where it's like the second greatness version of Jordan where it's more it's more jump shots, it's more back to the basket. You know what I mean? Like he he, he would have been 32 33 at least in 95 96. Yes. He so, would so, so yeah, like thir- I think he would have been 30 yeah, 32 30. He was born in 1963. Yeah, so you see way less Jordan really skying up there dunks, less of the real hang time stuff. It was more, it became more and more back them down, you know, turnaround jump. Like that's where that turnaround really came into play more 95, 96, 97. Absolutely. Like you didn't see, you saw the jumper, but not the turnaround in the back down. Not the much. post back yeah, to the basket. He stuff. really knew how to back guys down. I think probably from getting stronger right. over those, the course of the last few years, but he just, he used that strength so well. And it, And it's just so cool to think about like, what then happens like all that that losing orlando that fuel that clearly like super regimented hard off season leads into what i still believe is the greatest basketball team of all time yeah the 96 bulls well and can we start with their training, training camp? camp yes because that was you know kerr's just great like you know the the insight the the way he's able to kind of frame things the way he views things how he can put things into perspective and you know how, how Jordan was like guy came in supreme shape and it this episode I think gave you a window into Jordan's mentality maybe even more so than any other episode. Yeah, there was that one episode we loved. I think it's maybe the f- episode 1 or 2. Yeah. That really we were like we loved his competitive right. nature, but this was more specific to how he 
led and treated his teammates. And so it was really, um, I think, special that he kind of gave us the perspective of, I came in, this team had lost, Kerr, Winnington, and a, Luke, Longley Luke Longley were guys that were he felt were riding the Bulls' glory that he built, and they weren't on the teams that won, but they were like, hey, we're the Bulls. Right. And he didn't like that. No. And so he felt this overwhelming need to put them in their place and say, you haven't earned anything yet. This is the standard. And like, I'm going to, you haven't proven to me that you can be in the trenches. He said, he's talking trenches and warfare. Right. That's how he thought about his teammates that he didn't feel had earned it. He didn't feel like they were worthy of being in the trench with them. But that's where, that's where, you know, I think it's pretty clear for his opponents, he needed to find slights or reasons to go at them. Whether it was, well, I knew Jerry Krause loved Dan Marley, so I wanted to kill Dan Marley. Yeah. Or, you know, you get the anecdote at the end of this one, George Carl didn't say hi to him one time, so he wanted to embarrass him in the finals or whatever it is you get the unbelievable story of what is his name what's his Bradford Smith yeah LeBradford LeBradford Smith with the that story that he clearly I guess made up he made up the part that the guy the guy said nice game Mike and the next night you know this guy goes off on him for 36 and or 37 and the next night Jordan has 36 in the first half on him but that's a window into what he does. He needs for his opponents. Yeah, Clyde Jexler's not better than me. I'm going to prove it. Like yeah. he needs to find a slight or a a, a reason why. But, but with his teammates, but with his teammates, he needed to. He had to. Everybody had to get tested. He he had to make sure you could withstand his testing. Yes, before you could be on the court with him. Almost. Yeah, he he made the comment like, if you can't handle me. You can't handle New York in the playoffs, and oh, I mean, and that's what. So, because I think there's a there's a, you know, I've I found the end, the final four or five minutes of episode seven to be maybe maybe my favorite four or five minutes of the entire documentary. Okay, now let me ask you this: What did that last little segment of him talking what did you like what did that mean to you what did what did what do you think he was trying to say well so for what people don't like for to give make sure you know like it's when he's talking about how he approached things and he ended up getting he got so emotional that that he ended that that end of that episode saying cut because he was going to start crying yeah so to me it it means he had the good quote of winning has a price and so does leadership and anybody that I think takes issue with how he operated and, and got to the end goal in his mind, like you don't know what it takes to get there. Yeah. And you know, cause there, I think, I think why he got so emotional was, I think there were, there were, because what was the fundamental question? A lot of the guys were being asked was Jordan a nice guy. Was he? Yeah. Like, I don't think he wanted necessarily to like punch Steve Kerr or to be an asshole. To like, he's actually a guy like you can tell he wants like he he's a friendly guy and wants to be around people. 
But I think he he was just I think a part of it, Bo, was he is he is just stricken with this horrible, like almost debilitating will and fire and drive to compete and dominate and win. And I think it takes a lot out of you emotionally. And I think maybe yeah. that's what, like, I think him reflecting all, on all that, I think is emotional for him because he knew you got to, you know how many times you really like, when's the last time you really took your mind there? Like, you know, it took your body there. And, you know, it, it gets amazing. You know, he finished by saying, you know, like, if you don't want to play that way, then don't play that way. And yeah. he had, he started crying. Hmm. And it just, I just, I don't know. I think there's just a lot of, like, that was, a, it's, an, it's an emotional window into him. What did you? How, what was your? So, so that I, I think I like your point almost better than what I would. I almost interpreted it differently, but I almost think your your views more right than mine. I I almost took it as you know he's talking about all the stuff, all the people, and this is what he felt he had to do, and I just didn't know if there was a part of him that like doesn't like that he had he he had to do that. But I almost think your point's better that it's just. He just remembers how draining it probably was to have to do that, and so it probably is something that like is more he talks about. He's like, it, it just kind of came, well, it bubbled you, up or something. You, you've, you know what it's like. We all have days, and you don't even have to be an athlete to understand this. But I'm sorry, athletics are different because, like, you can kind of go to your desk job and just space off for a day like like when you got to put your body like your body through it's hard to space off when you're like physically doing something yeah. you know but the point is there had to have been a few days with at lincoln southeast and at nebraska i know i mean i'm beyond like where you're walking into practice and you're just like i just don't know if i got it today like mm -hmm. i just don't i'm tired my my fucking back hurts or my knee you know like and it's it's hard to ramp yourself up all the time. And this is a dude that every single day. Now, a lot of it came natural, but he knew that like he had to make sure he was on every day. And I think for as much as some of the guys got their feelings hurt, it, it emotionally drained him as well. Because I just think it's interesting, like this guy didn't cry talking about a lot of emotional things in his life. The only thing right now that has moved him to like, really like had to say, I need a break, was him talking about the day-to-day -day mentality of what it took to do what he did. Dad, that, that was pretty incredible. I mean, it was so incredible. You and I had to rewind. We rewound it and watched him say that like three or four times. And I still don't like I still am trying to yeah, decipher exactly what he meant by it, because it's it's I don't know. I, I, I think there's more to Michael Jordan than meets the eye even like even. I don't know. I mean, like I even started to think like. I would have never thought this until I watched this documentary, but I kind of go, is Michael happy? 
Like, I don't know. Like, I think this, like, I see what the, the fame does. To, like, yeah. it wears you out. Yes. The fame is, is like, I think it's such a double-edged sword. It's great. You, know, you think it's going to be great. And then I think the reality of being, of being Michael Jordan in a lot of ways is worse than you think. Uh, yeah. I, no, I think, I think the fame wears you out. And you know what wears you out is it's one thing to get on the mountaintop. It's another thing to stay there. Where you are, you are every single drill, every single exhibition game, every single game, you are the other team's Super Bowl. So you're getting everybody's best shot and, you know, what it takes to take everybody's best shot and, and continue to stay on top is a lot. It's a lot. And maybe a part of it too, is we're just kind of talking out loud here. That's kind of the beauty of this. Like. A part of it, too, of what he gets emotional about is probably the frustration of, of like, why other guys weren't built like him. Like, why do I have to? Scott Burrell, why do I got to fucking give it to you all the time? You know? And <laughs> this guy, like, why do I have to? Steve Kerr, why do I got to do this? Or why do I, you know, like, yeah. so maybe it was like this. There was also the the frustration of like I don't want to have to be like that, but you guys are making me be like that. Yeah, in I, a weird way. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Thought, I, I just I thought it was like you, Michael Jordan has done a great job of not letting you see Michael Jordan, right? And this is the first time you're seeing any of it. So I I just love it's it. opening my eyes to that. There's a lot more to his life, and it's more complicated. Yes, and probably anybody that gets to that level of fame it can only be complicated and i think he handles it well but just he's kept i mean he kept that they kept a lot of that stuff out of the public knowledge for like how he was with teammates how competitive he was and almost in like a negative way that was shielded for 20 30 years and the fact that he's even letting this film out and these stories out and he's talking about them I think that's a big thing that Mike is saying. I'm going to let you know me a little better. Right. And I think, you know, he, because you, it was interesting at the start of this thing. Remember, he was quoted as saying, like, I don't know if people are going to think I'm a nice guy after this. And because that's the brand. He's, yeah. Hey, he's not, it's the, not yeah. just my legacy. He's got that shoe line. He's got a billion dollars worth of, yeah. a, a, of shoes he's got to sell every year. And, you know, there's a lot of corporate executives saying, "Mike, just keep it squeaky clean, keep right. it down the middle, keep it just, you know." And and this is him kind of, I think, in a way, shunning a little bit of that corporate America and saying, "Well, let's just it, well, let's just show all, you." What it is is it's a peek behind the curtain of what it takes to get to. Again, all you see is the the champagne and the championships. Mm-hmm. And that's the, what I love about this is like at the end of the day, Jordan's a fucking hard worker and a competitive dude like that just has a will to to win that is unmatched. His, and, his work ethic, I you know, you always think if you oh if you had cameras, you'll see that those guys that are the most talented actually don't work as hard as they say. Right. And he was working harder than anybody else in the baseball team and, and the basketball. Like it's it's pretty amazing when you see. Like, see, like you can't be the most talented guy and actually, quote unquote, actually work the hardest because that never happens. Right? It doesn't usually happen. It's right. usually the most talented guy 
you're lucky if he does work hard, but he's never the most hardworking, the most competitive. Right. Because this guy was. It's he so was. crazy. I mean, that's what, I mean, again, he talked about winning has a price, so does leadership. And I think what he, ta- you know, like a part of being a leadership is being, you know, being that voice telling the guy telling a guy what they don't want to hear and he talked about pulling the guys along when they didn't want to get pulled along and you know he talked about how the one thing like I, I love this line it's it's you hear it all the time but he's like the one thing you know everybody knew about playing with Michael Jordan was I I never asked you to do anything that I didn't do or wasn't going to do yeah that's- and that's the thing that like you can get away with the way he talked to teammates and the way he pushed guys is because everybody knew that he was, he talked the talk and he'll fight, he'll, he'll fight, fight you. He'll, he'll fight you. He'll, he'll beat you in sprints. He'll like, you know, he'll D you up. If he says, Hey, you better play D he'll D up. He'll rebound. He'll do the tough stuff. And you know, he'll, he'll put in the hours of work and film and like, he'll do it all. And I love, uh, I loved the, you know, you've, you've heard the story about him punching Steve Kerr. And it's just a great story, you know, and, and it's, it's funny how men work sometimes on like, like sometimes like it's, I'm not like, Ed, I'm not saying like fighting's the answer, but sometimes like guys need to just like, I think sometimes it is. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes guys just need like, for whatever reason, Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan needed to have a physical confrontation for them to. Like Mike needed to know Steve Kerr wasn't w- a puss. Basically, was all in, and Steve Kerr needed to prove to himself he could stand up to Michael Jordan. Like yeah. they both needed to do the same thing, almost just from a different, different point of view. Right. And yeah, Jordan was in the wrong, but like, uh, you know, like when Jordan apologizes, it's all over. It's good, right. right? And they talked about how I mean, Kerr said it was probably the best thing that happened to our relationship. And Jordan said, Kerr had my respect after that. That's it. That's all, you know, like, that's how it works sometimes. And uh, it, there's probably a lot of women listening like, what are you talking I don't, about? I don't know. I, we, I, 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 completely, like, I completely agree. Like, there's something about guys. Sometimes we need to fight and it's better. It all gets yes. worked out, and it's just it must come from, you know, Especially in the, the sport that you days. played. But football, <laughs> right. F- football. <laughs> Football is more like, I mean, there's more practice fights than, you yeah. know, just because that's more, I mean, football, you are, you're, you know, I mean, you're hitting each other every play. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I, and then, you know, we, we do got to just continue to acknowledge, like, and you see the highlights of that 96 team, man, was just the passing. Rodman filled the void left by Horace Grant. So you had the, the, the rebounder, defender, uh, and then Kukoc, Kukoc is, a, is coming yeah, to like, his own. Uh, I guess Harper would have been. Was Harper the sixth man? Who was? Was Kukoc a starter? Or did, no, Kukoc might have came in as sixth man. I thought Tony Kukoc came off the bench. Yeah, I think because it would have been Winnington, Rodman, Jordan, Harper, Pip. Yeah. And then you bring and then Kerr, you bring in Kerr and, and you bring in Kukoc and Luke Longley and Luke Longley and every once in a while Judd Bushler. Judd Bushler looks like he could do your taxes. Let's be honest. Does he not? Like every time they get to him, he's just like, just the most ordinary looking guy in the world. It's just, I love Judd Bushler, but that team, I still think like it's the best basketball team of all time. 
It's hard to argue. And Steve, here's the here's the part the the trump card is Steve Kerr was on that team and coached one of these new Warriors teams. And he's like, sorry, Warriors team. Like he just is like, <laughs> no. Like he just straight up was like told him. He's like, guys, like no, like sorry. Well, and I think and and I honestly think that, and whenever he justifies it, it's it's MJ. He's just like Michael was such a force of nature, and I think Michael was on such a Jordan was on such a mission that year because he had to, he had to reclaim his spot on top of the mountain. Yeah, he had just lost to Orlando the year before. Think about that, Steve Kerr's point of view though. He coaches these guys. He's them every day, and they're they're really good players, good teammates, probably all that. And then he had to practice against Michael Jordan. And he's right. probably like, you guys. Don't get it. Right. That's that's the only response he can have is that I know you can look at numbers and stats and hey KD and Steph and Clay, but all he can say is you guys don't get it. And I think some of it is like we can talk for days about like his physical abilities on the court, but it was a lot of it was just the force, the force of personality, the alphaness, the the psychological the, dominance, the relentless, the relentlessness, it's relentless. That, like, the one thing I heard Kerr say about uh, one of the differences was like, you know, now, you know, like everybody's probably smarter now with like load management. And, you know, people basically say now, like NBA teams, like when they get in the season, they like basically don't even really practice, you know? Really? But like those, those back in the, in the 80s and the 90s, like, like, Curves, but said like they they would they would practice more and practice like hard, so I think that also brought out like you got to see that every day with Jordan because he was hooking it up every day, yeah, every single day. Hmm. And then obviously, I still think one of the most emotional, one of the most emotional scenes is Jordan winning his fourth title, or after his dad died. And the like, I I always forget that he won it on Father's Day, Pretty and amazing. him being back in the locker room after they just won a title, and like you could hear it. There are varying degrees of crying. That was like howling, howling. That's like howling, at like can't even can catch your breath stuff. And it just that's a good way to book in the two episodes of just like the, the losing James losing, Jordan and bringing it, yeah, and bringing it all back. You know, Jordan has so many of those unbelievable moments that we for, we forget some of them. Like yeah. big, like I mean, I remember the fifty-five in the garden, but I forget that he won that title on Father's Day. I forgot that, um, you know, I just forgot little details about like you know when he came back, and you know, like little things you just like you you right. kind of remember, but like like. It's just there's so many of them, and you just can't remember all the Jordan details, you yeah. know. But yeah. that that was a really cool way to kind of that end was this a episode. good way to to cap it uh, in in this episode. I mean this this guy is just it's amazing. It it is it is truly remarkable to watch this guy operate. Oh yeah. Okay. Predictions for next week. Do you think they are truly stopping? Like, are they going to stop on shot over Russell and that's it? Or are they going to talk about, are they going to spend time like the retire, like re retirement and any post 1998 or does it stop 
on the mark? I think I don't think it's like stops on the mark. Like when the shot goes down, that's the end of the dock. I think they do spend a little time on Jordan actually like like and everybody like that Phil leaving and every like yeah. But I don't think they I, no. I think I like. I think it, I don't think we get anything post ninety eight. Okay, but a little bit even after, after that, just a little bit after. But nothing after ninety. I think that's probably right. I just don't know they got time to do much more after that. Like they, no. I don't think they're talking wizards. They're not going to so. talk about wizards and ownership uh, of the Bobcats or anything. Right. But I've uh, loved. You know, some people have. There's been a, a couple of things with this and observing the documentary. A great thing that all documentaries need to do moving forward is. Every time they hand Jordan an iPad and they play what someone else said, or even they did it for Rodman one time that it, you know, like that's just great to get someone's raw, real reaction. Yeah, is just great. It's fantastic. <sighs> Poor Gary Payton, he got. But see, I think that's part of. And here's the here's this. This is where this is still Michael Jordan. He can say whatever he wants, but. He's still going to treat Gary Payton the same way you treat Gary Payton in 1995. If Gary says he thinks he's locking him down, Michael's not going to, even if he did, Michael's not going (laughs) to give him that. Michael's going to laugh at him so that Gary sees it and goes, what was I thinking? He wants Gary to think that right now, he can't guard him because he might have to play him again. He wants wants to have that on Gary. So that's what I saw out of Michael go, He's going to do the rest of his life. If you say you can beat him at something, he's going to laugh at you, and he's going to he's going to keep your confidence down by the floor while he's up here. It's uh, it's it. so awesome. That's that it. was Michael, right? That there. was Boom. it. He said, "I had no problems with the glove." He laughed at his face. He laughed he goes, and said, "I had no problems with the glove." He's and laughing then, at him. I've heard some people like some people would be like it's. It, question or be like it's interesting how this is just turned into a Michael because initially it was framed as this was just going to be a documentary on the on the final season of 1998 and they're like it's interesting how it's evolved into being like basically a Jordan documentary but I think like in order to understand 98 you need to understand all the other stuff you know what I mean like see I thought this was a Michael Jordan documentary up until the point they were saying, well, it's going to be told through the 90. Right. So I thought it was just a 10 part documentary on Michael Jordan up until like right before I, you know, I was like, Hey, this is going to be about that last season. Mostly here's what's exciting is, you know, they, they ended this documentary right before this Pacers season or series started and the Mm -hmm. Pacers pushed them. I mean, pushed them big time. It's a really good series. And so in all reality, we don't have like, I think we're going to get in depth behind the scenes stuff because I don't we haven't seen I think the next two episodes are going to be the most behind the scenes stuff with 98 that we've seen yeah in all reality we've seen some but not necessarily a ton well it makes sense it makes sense this would be the time I mean because because it's I mean I mean it's the Pacers series and the Jazz series and that's it and so we're going to get all that. We're going to get all of then the 97 season. First Jazz. The first Jazz series. Which is going to be. Flu game. Flu game. Oh, it's going to be great. I, that is going to be this so is, good. Nick, this is I, the, best, the best Sundays we could ask for. So I have a problem at times when I go on vacations, when I'm like a, 
like when I know I have to leave, like I only have one day left of vacation or something like that, I'll get depressed in anticipation <laughs> of being depressed. I know. I am already feeling depressed that we only have one more Sunday. Would it bother people if we rewatch the documentary? <laughs> Started over. See if we had different thoughts. I don't know. Started over. Give us an excuse. And I don't know if we're actually going to do this. I mean, I don't know if we want to do the whole final episode, smoking a cigar and drinking some some whiskey, or if we want to do a different episode and and do you know we could do a wine instead of doing a wine pod, we could just do it. We each have a baseball bat, a cigar, and some whiskey, and you and I do a pod. I think that'd be fun. Oh god, I think that'd be a lot of fun, Bo. The male species peaked when he was smoking a cigar with a baseball bat. Talking about when, like, like about I've shit. never, I've never. Just talking about shit just talking. talking. Talking about talking shit. I've never, it might be the most, like, beautifully put thing I've ever heard in my life. With the cigar in his mouth, just kind of talking about, I respect a man. I respect a man. Not, not a man that. A man to take care of his kids, or a man that, that that will do his work. Like it was like I respect a man that's willing to talk shit when it's zero zero. When it's, it's zero like, zero and he's willing to talk shit, that's a man I respect. It's like that's where it starts. That's where. It, oh, I might have to go back and watch that. That's so good. That is so good. All right, my friend, we are at fifty three minutes. How do we do it? We, we do it. I don't know how we it keep happens. Thinking, but let's we shoot do for thirty, it. and it ends up being an hour. Always. I don't know. All right, it is almost. It's time for you to go home. Okay? I know. It is time for you to go home and get some sleep. Because in one week, man, we're going to be right back here when we're going to have watched and completed The Last Dance. I'm sad thinking about it, too. But it's pretty simple what needs to happen here. In the meantime. What time is it? Game time! Who? All right, my thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door... Now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. A Parkville Media Production.